0: one here. So I'll just take my seat. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Greasy Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, the fantastic Mr. John Bonham Fox. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. What's we going here? What's we going here?
0: What are you, what, what are you talking what, about?
1: Who's, what's with this camera in this way? Whose show do you think this is going this on? This is
0: my show, bro. Oh, you Nobody else was to here. It's airtime. I said, okay it's my show
1: think I leave some microphones lying around you just got a show now there's four of them yeah well doesn't mean that like you get the master call the show oh I do I've
0: been gone for three months it's the Fox show now it's not the Greasy Conversation it's I'm the host well look what I got
1: that's right it's Greasy Conversation now it's actually starting with the real host Dumb- yeah. oh, okay. and of course you've been introduced already john bonham fox the fox carburetor the, the fox body himself the the 80s mustang
0: whatever and there's a bike too <laughs> as i found out recently there's the racing company there's a couple oh, yeah. racing companies
1: there's the animal there's the that's right. There's an animal called that, it turns out. an animal. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so, was it looks like it's... uh.
1: We're doing it. It's me and you so far. Yeah. Um, uh, whatever, whatever comes will come and happen Wherever to us. Wherever the chest may lay, man. Yeah. So we're doing it. How are you doing? How are you getting cozy back? you uh, getting cozy back.
0: Yeah, man. Australia changed my life. I was there for three months. I met some amazingly wonderful people there. But there's... You know, uh, adapting to it, there were little nuances and little things that obviously are different. Um, Driving on the other side of the road, being in the passenger seat on the left and not the right. (laughs) Rice Krispies being named Rice Pops. Or instead of saying, how you doing? They say, how you going? So it's like the little things. But, uh, you know, I went to the beach a lot. I sat there. I contemplated. Man, I finished my novel while I was there. Yeah, so
1: you were teasing about that before, last episode you were here, and yeah. I'm stoked that's a thing
0: now. I finished it, um, but then I went back and kind of said to myself, okay, I want to make this good enough for everybody. It's good. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. People have read bits and pieces of it, and what, they, what they've read, they've liked. Um, but I thought, okay, let's let's make this better, and how do I do that? I'm just going to take my time. I'm not going to rush putting it out. And I'm going to invest my time in it more so that way when it gets on people's shelves or when it gets on Amazon or whatever and you buy it, you're gonna, this is going to be something you're going to enjoy. I want you to enjoy it. It's not just for me. I originally thought it was for me because I needed to get the story out. But it's for a lot of the people who have pushed me to do it. So I finished it while I was there. And to finish it in a foreign country about 800, 900 miles away from where we are currently – I never thought I would do that.
1: Did it help you feel motivated to do it, though? It Was that like a neat life hack?
0: Not only did it make me feel motivated to finish that book, I started thinking about, okay, well, I took down my Tarantino compendium that I wrote online that I was there for free, and I said... You took it down. I did, but there's a reason. I took it down. I'm going to add more to it. I'm going to add my little quips and theories. I might get some interviews with people, and then I'm going to release that one, too. So but in
1: the meantime you're not gonna have like a, a, your previous intermediate Tarantino compendiary.
0: Nope, not unless you ask me to send it to you personally.
1: <laughs> it's so fun to say that, but I have to do it slowly. Fair enough. But Tarantino I'm glad to be back Compendia. here. I'm glad to be, uh, that's right.
0: I'm glad to be back sitting here with you. I am missing your co host this week. So Jack's Secret, let me
1: just talk about a dude that's cool, whether or not he shows up. He's an old friend of mine from sharing a rehearsal studio back when I was in a band called Rooftop Ridicule. Uh, He and our buddy Alan run AMD Guitar Works, and uh, that's a great place to go for uh, high-end repairs, all kinds of in-depth woodworking beyond what I can do if you've had me do guitar work for you before. I mostly just do the electronic stuff, and then I pass it on to pros like this for the advanced things. When a vintage synthesizer uh, gets a little over my head, Jack Secrets, my dude, he is uh, the keyboard tech for Rush, for Geddy Lee since the early days. Oh, John, you're going to comfort Peanut real quick? we got to give Peanut a pet. I don't know if you guys can hear, but she needed a quick consoling. Anyway... uh, (laughs) So go ahead and close that door, John. I told, um, I told Jack where to where to turn in the catacombs because we have actually got a couple studios in this house, <coughs> so people go to the other studio pretty often. Not flexing, they're not like uh, the, the, you know, no, they're dope. Forget it. I'm flexing. Anyway, are flexing. Yeah, wise. I gotta, I gotta give credit to Crazy Jay though. Um, Crazy Jay actually has to live uh, here amongst all this and let these mad people into his house to get these studios going on. We couldn't do it without Radio Vegas Rocks to have the the sweet thing. Hey, I totally appreciate the chat. The chat's already talking about Modelo Madness, but we cannot talk about anything by name in that category. What
0: are they saying? Um, and, who's, and who's here?
1: Oh, um, well, my dear buddy Kaba's here.
0: Hi, Kaba. What's up, man?
1: He's in Australia, too. Oh, you just came. I was so just there. Where, where are you
0: from, Kaba, in Australia? Yeah, he'll
1: holler back in a second. There's a slight delay. Obviously. Um, and also, but yeah, the algorithm punishes tremendously folks like us that aren't experts talking about anything about any Mexican beers. So no Mexican beer talk this episode. Afraid not. Uh, but you can get that from actual pros. He's no. in the
0: South. Oh, that's where I was from. I, I I visited South Australia. I visited Adelaide, South Australia for three months. Shout out to Adelaide. Loving it. Anyway, so no no beer talk. Uh, but <laughs> I did have last week, uh, I did have Heineken Zero. It wasn't bad.
1: Really? It wasn't bad. I see that and I'm like, I could just have something that's not so bready. Right. Alcohol or not. It was exactly. like a means. Two ends. All right, he's in Adelaide. Dope. what's up? Shout Hello. out to Adelaide. So you guys are going to have a high five at some point.
0: Oh, I'm high fiving him already. Jack, you're here. There oh, he is. Alrighty. righty. Hello, sir. Hello, How are you doing, I'm John Baum. Nice John. to meet you. Pleasure, pleasure. You can sit there. You can sit over Actually, here. Actually,
1: this up, one. Yeah. This one, please. Yeah. It that is. one is not on We now have no. the
0: legendary Jack <laughs> Secret here. <laughs> <sighs> I am just... Alrighty, Uh, so
1: I already told people a little bit about your background with Rush, just so you don't have to uh, dally with that. But get cozy, John. John here just came back from Australia. My regular co-host Greg's not here. Um, Hi, Greg. How you doing? Yes, we've just got Ghost Greg. Ghost Greg. And we're doing it, and we got our buddy Koba, who's in Australia right now in the chat. Yeah, and
0: apparently he lives in a place (laughs) where I just visited for three months. (laughs) <laughs> and it's nice to uh, talk to somebody else who knows what uh, Adelaide's all about. I spent yeah. a lot of time at Glenelg uh, on the beach, walking, you know, visiting the, the shore and contemplating under the stars at nighttime and just losing yourself there. And it must be beautiful. It is <laughs> beautiful. It was uh, a place that changed my life. So thank you, Adelaide, for that. Anyway, Jack, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. I've heard nothing but good things from Waz.
2: It Waz and, we'll this and in me met uh, a, a bit ago uh, so almost a
1: decade ago probably no probably more I think it was like oh nine well, in that rehearsal space it's true that you're still working out of?
2: still working out of and what are you doing um, in the rehearsal space uh basically repairing uh, amps and keyboards awesome for the local musicians
0: I've heard I've heard you might know a little something about keyboards
2: <laughs> it's taken some time but yeah i've I've got uh, I got a handle on some of it oh cool Newer stuff, of course, is uh, basically you you get something in with a bad module or board, and you send it off to the uh, the maker, and they just or you uh, swap out that board. board. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot of uh,
0: speaking of keyboards, they just or microswitches. Yesterday, they for free. They released the Model D. On, uh, on their iPhone, on oh, the iOS. Oh, the app version. The app version, yeah. which I thought was really cool of them to do for everybody.
2: I heard of that, yeah. It's, uh, it's not bad. Wild stuff. I mean, yes,
0: like playing with it <laughs> on your phone's a bit different than playing it in real life. I owned, at one point, a MicroKorg, and I loved the MicroKorg. corgs are amazing pieces of work. Uh,
1: yeah, you were working at a MicroKorg last time I was over there. Yeah, I, yeah. I
2: actually had one in that uh, a client brought in that had a couple of broken... Uh, Data pots and a uh, couple of missing input jacks, but when I got it all together, it sounded amazing.
0: I love I love the sound of keyboards. A lot of people, you know, when they think of keyboards and music, they think of you know the 80s and stuff like that. Those I, I like mean, FM w- like the f- FM. Yeah. S- yes, all those kinds of things. A lot of amazing sounds came. A out lot of that. I that I amazing sounds come out of it. But of the then innovation. people forget that there is like Floyd who had it. There's Rush, Kraftwerk. All these amazing artists who had keyboards who you weren't even thinking about. A lot of poly analog ones I thought were FM too.
1: I found out later, like, uh, yeah. like that one Eddie Van Halen's always using, like in Jump and stuff. I thought was FM, but it's not, right? I think it's a. I think it's a. Shoot, I don't remember. You guys Google it. That was in Oberheim, <laughs> was think, it was uh, an Oberheim. Was it?
2: A X, or uh, yeah, the Oberheim A.
1: Well, before we swim in model numbers as much as, like, I'm tempted to, why don't we front load this episode with a little bit of, like, fun stories? Now, I don't normally, like, interview people, but I know both of you have some stories, and I think you might know, you might have overlapping famous people you know. Now, John's, if you guys don't know, is a journalist and more grunge era, uh, like, late, like, new metal.
0: Well, mid to, I would say, early 90s to Uh about now. There are a lot of bands and people that I know, um, although being named after a famous rock drummer was a great end. It's a great in for yeah. it's you know, I'm not going to go up and say, "Hey, my name is John." People have that name and they're going to forget you, right? For sure. I'm not going to say John Fox, which is my first and last name. That might be okay, John Fox. I might <laughs> remember that guy. But if I walk up and say it's my first and middle name, "Hi, John Bonham," and you're in the music business, bam. Everybody yeah. knows who that guy is. We have a poster on the wall right behind you, Waz, yeah. that has that very name on it. Boom. But That's true. But it's, it's one of those things where I've been able to just say, hey, okay, I like this person. But it's not just because he's a celebrity or he's a musician, but because they're doing things that I want to know about and how they made these kinds of things and ask those questions. And my mentor who taught me about journalism, he knew a lot about... Uh, music people and he knew a lot of he wrote uh, Rip Magazine back in the late early 90s so he taught me everything I needed to know about okay if you're going to be a fanboy cool be a fanboy but do it the right way ask the right questions see what they're thinking about ask them what they're listening to and you know just conversate they're human beings just like you are just don't get oh my god I'm I'm such a fan of your work you can do that but be respectful and uh, I don't know I think I've done pretty well in that regard. And maybe we do know some overlapping people.
1: Yeah, I'm curious, people that Rush toured with, possibly, or played nearby of?
2: (laughs) Well, well, we played with uh, a lot of different artists over the years. Um, One I know offhand
0: that I love is Primus.
2: That was one of the, uh, or it may have been the first band that uh, we actually, or that Neil had uh, requested from the radio, uh, from the record. Nice. Label to uh, have open. And from that point, pretty much, uh, every band that opened for us was invited until we stopped having openers. Uh Uh-huh. But we had some pretty weird mismatches in the past. But uh, Primus was quite amazing. Quite an amazing band.
0: They put on one heck of a show, and to look at them and again we were talking about Bill and Ted earlier. They were in Bill and Ted too. The second one has, oh, has the that. band. Um, but uh, I I love that how Primus, I mean, they were this unknown thing and then they became one of the I mean, preeminent I would guess weird to say rock bands, right? Because they're not the normal rock band uh. that you listen to. But their their music is um their music's one of a kind. And I think, but it matched well with Rush because... Uh, Legendary bassist, I have to Claypool, just point out. Les Claypool yeah. and Giddy might have that same kind of feeling about the bass, but it's about the rhythm feeling. And, of course, having Neil Peart and Giddy Lee as your rhythm section, it can't be, can it get any better than that? I, I don't think so. I mean, John Paul Jones and John Bonham were obviously a good co- combo. Today, I can't think of many good rhythm combos like that. On that level. On that level. Yeah. Les and Larry are phenomenal. And that yes. they remind me of Neil and, and uh Giddy Lee in that regard.
1: And Alex. What was the <laughs> what
0: was the highlight for you, I mean, in working with Rush, so to speak? I, I mean obviously it's working with Rush, but
2: yeah, Or like but a top three highlights. There were there were uh, several. I mean there were a lot wasn't just a, a single highlight or a personal
1: right. favorite band that they played with it was like oh that one was my opener favorite well
2: i really i really did like primus yeah uh, me too the first night they opened i hadn't heard of them before and i was by the side of stage uh, stage right and um i uh, it took me it took me a little bit to start understanding what was going on because i was a little bit confused at first
0: they are very disorienting <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, uh well, by the end of the set i was i was a solid fan you know the uh, the next night uh and for many nights after i went out front you know to watch them either at the board or by the side of the stage uh all all great musicians all great people mm, for sure uh, i can recount a few times uh when they were opening that, uh, the two bands we get together and do kind of an impromptu jam session in one of the uh, back rooms. Now that, <laughs>
0: now that is a moment.
2: But the thing with 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 those jam sessions was that nobody could play the instrument they played.
1: Oh, I love that rule. They
2: had to play <laughs> a totally different instrument, and uh, I got to I got to play. Uh, Uh, It was a coat rack kind of thing that I fashioned into some sort of kind of drum set. (laughs) And uh, I think we had a snare in there as well.
0: How funny. That might be one of the best things I've ever heard. And to all play different instruments, it just really shows how musically talented you might be.
2: Yeah, Alex uh, was, I think he was sporting a a saxophone, soprano.
1: (laughs) So you've played percussion uh, in effect for Neil Peart.
2: Uh, In a way, (laughs) in in a sense,
0: uh, but with members of Primus and Rush, you're saying that's what he said, because he was in a band with those guys, essentially. In in a a, you know for that moment, for that moment in time, which not many people would be able to say in this lifetime at all.
2: I I think one probably one of the greatest moments is when we were doing the um exit stage left live album, and uh, Neil had found uh, a drum set in uh, one of the uh, work sheds on uh, Atlas Studio on the property, and it was uh, uh, several shelves, and it was all just rusting away and disorientating, and he pulled them out and started working on them uh, one afternoon, polishing up the shelves, polishing up the hardware. Oiling everything. And uh, at the time, it was uh, me, uh, Skip, and Larry Allen at the studio. And Skip uh, started hanging out with, with Neil down at the shed. And for a while, they had been trading off like licks and stuff. You know, Slider was into this kind of esoteric blues type stuff that he wanted to play. And uh, Neil was very much into that. Um, <coughs> one afternoon, I uh, moseyed down to the shed um, and uh, picked up a bass and started jamming with them. And uh, came up with a couple of different riffs uh, of a song. And we started rehearsing this. Over the next several nights uh, at dinner, because we'd all have dinner together at the... Uh, at the house we were staying at on, on the property, um, you know, Neil and Skip would talk about you know the project and literally luring Alex and get into into a curious state as to what's going on. So uh, uh, the next day, I think Alex came into the into the space while we were rehearsing some stuff and uh, asked if he could play. And uh, so Skip said, "Okay, yeah, we'll let him in." <laughs> uh, and then uh, I think a day later, Ged came in and said, "You know, I can I can do keyboards and backup vocals." And uh, I uh, I immediately put my vote to that, and uh, we developed uh, a song that I had written uh, with the help of with the help of Skip and Neil uh, called "Tough Break." And uh, Getty, at one point, wanted to bring that into the studio and do a 24-track cut of it. And so we went into the studio during one of the uh, down days where we were waiting for some parts or some uh, equipment to show up at the studio to continue mixing. Uh, and we tracked a Tough Break with a Skip On... Rhythm guitar and Alex on uh, rhythm guitar as well because it was in Skip insisted that there be no solo on the uh, on the song.
0: That's generous.
2: Um, uh, Ged played keyboards uh, uh, and Moog, uh did a minimoog solo in the middle and uh, provided backup vocals and uh, Neil of course played drums. I played bass and sang.
1: That's awesome,
2: and that's uh, that cool. was that was a pretty amazing time uh, to experience that. Uh,
1: Is that track um, like out there, so to speak?
2: Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. On YouTube, YouTube?
1: Mm. awesome.
0: I'm checking it out for sure. Yeah.
1: Are you credited as, as Jack Secret in it? Yes, that's crazy. Oh, well, I'm so listening. to that. I just always think that that's like a spy name, like a stage name.
2: They, they had a stage name for me when I first joined uh, the organization. They, um, they all had uh, secret names. <laughs> uh, the band, for obvious reasons, so that they wouldn't be bothered yeah. in the hotels. Right. But everyone on the crew also at that time had a, had a different name or a variation of their name. And uh, at that time, Star Wars was uh, prevalent. uh uh-huh in uh, this discussion of things going on in america and uh i think ged came up and i guess Ged or slider came up and said listen we got a great name for you we're gonna we're gonna call you obi-wan Farouk. (laughs) and i go uh why (laughs) oh you know uh, obi-wan you know one with wires one with you're the guy the man with the wires (laughs) i can relate to that i go uh no (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) and uh within the next month i came up with with jack um a month or two later i came up with secret uh jack i came up with when we were doing a double header in houston we had a day off in between, and the record company uh, held a sort of a, a meet and greet, you know, between. And they invited the crew along as well. And I remember it was uh, done at a, a Hilton, and when we went um, after the show um, to, this, uh, to this gathering, uh, at the top of the stairs, uh, we had to go up this long stairway in the ballroom, uh, to the ballroom, and uh, at the top was a, a podium with uh, two people, of uh, greeters, that were filling out Hello, My Name Is cards. And uh, I just threw out Jack, because I, I figured, you know, what difference does it make? I don't know any of these people here, except the people in the band and on the crew, and they already know who I am. I don't see the purpose in these other people knowing uh, because at that time uh i, I had thought that uh, that the uh the record industry at that time was paying very little attention to the actually what rush was doing and more about uh selling papers and advertising and glorifying whatever it is they were trying to glorify at the time. I remember uh Several occasions during the couple first years working with them, that I would uh, be introduced backstage or in the dressing room to these people who worked for various record distributors and out- outlets and uh, within the industry. And I would ask them, uh, you know, so how how, ma- how many records has Rush sold in this district in your area? And I, I never got an answer to that question to oh, anyone man. that I ever asked. They, that they had no is idea else. Um, at any rate, that's how I got uh, the Jack handle. Uh, was basically at this show. it was about a, a year no, it was less than a year after I was with the band.
1: That's exciting for me because I've wondered this for a minute <coughs> and like to to find out like live so you guys get that live reaction. I love that even though it was just a face I made. Like yeah, cool. We're all learning together. Hey now, it's so a
0: notes, information, and education is a good thing.
1: So I'm curious specifically about uh, uh, like Audio Slave and uh, any Chris Cornell interactions you might have had. Yeah, because uh, that's a big uh, close person to John.
0: Yeah. Uh, so interestingly enough, we were talking about being a fanboy earlier, and that's kind of how I had to meet. The band, um, I never got to see Soundgarden in the '90s. They broke up, and then Chris went solo. And if you've never listened to Chris's first solo record, Euphoria Morning, I would suggest listening to it. It is phenomenal. And I'm not saying that because I'm a fan or a friend. I'm saying it because it is a a body of work that doesn't come along so you know every often. And this is a, a musical masterpiece to me. Anyway, uh, I never got to see Rage in 2000 when they broke up. So that was heartbreaker so I had Rage Against the Machine arguably one of my favorite bands of all time and I never got to see them and I never got to see Soundgarden but then around 2002 there were the rumblings that Rick Rubin had introduced Chris Cornell to the guys from Rage so yeah. I was like alright this sounds good and I being so excited this about is a that. big thing for the time because that's when Supergroup started to be a thing like you know you had Velvet Revolver uh-huh. from Guns and Roses Stone Temple Pilots but when Audio Slave got together, there was this aura about them that was completely different from everybody else. You had the voice of Soundgarden, right? You had the golden, to a lot of people, the golden rock voice of the 90s against the powerful. I mean, you put Tom, Tim, and Brad against anybody on a stage, and Rage Against the Machine blows out everybody. But this time it's different. So when they, the amalgamation of the thing was the voice of Soundgarden meets the power. And then so I didn't meet Chris on the 2003 tour when they first played. We had some stage interaction, but nothing nothing major, right? And then around 2005, I met Tom again. And the day, so the first day of the Audio Slave tour in 2005 actually took place here in Las Vegas at the Small Joint, which no longer exists. Yeah, I miss it. Rest in peace to the Hard times. Rock Hotel in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I saw Toadies at the small joint uh,
1: like just before they ended it. Wow, it was such a rad like flashback.
0: So going to going to this show, I met a lot of people from the 2003 tour, and we all decided okay, we're gonna meet up at the at the show. And like I was there all day meeting people, and then I would walk to the back where the buses were, and then there'd be nobody, and then that's when I met the bassist Timmy C, and I like just walked over, took a photo. I saw Tom Morello, this is how I like second met him, getting out of a cab and going towards the backstage area. I darted between some bushes and said, this is how I'm meeting him, I don't care. I darted between the bushes and went over and met him, he signed my jacket, all these things. I know that's a fanboy story. Things have happened. Mike McCready will tell you bluntly, and I think he actually said it on the Pearl Jam 20 DVD when he was talking about meeting people. He hid under the limousine to meet the Scorpions, okay? He hid under a limousine to meet his band. So me darting up through bushes to meet my guitar hero, who's been my hero since I was like 12, I don't care. I darted between bushes. I didn't hide under a limousine, but deal. Uh Uh, But then... About 20 minutes later, we're still standing there and another bus is pulling in and the door opens and Chris Cornell gets off and it was like, I had not met this guy but I've always wanted to. But he treated me warmly, he treated me kindly, he talked to me for a minute, we took a photo, he signed my things, and then he went off. And then that night at the show, we're, we're all up front on the rail and this is a tour where they're doing things differently. They didn't... During the first audio slave tour, they never covered Soundgarden stuff. They never covered Rage stuff. They did covers of, like, Parliament. They did covers of Rush. Actually, on that opening tour, they did Working Man by Rush, okay. and it was incredible. But on the second tour, they were like, okay, this is our show. We can do whatever we want, but if we're going to do whatever we want, we got to kind of go off the map a little bit here. So then they started playing, like, Spoon Man and Outshine and... They started playing uh, instrumentally Bulls on Parade by Rage Against Machine. Then Chris would run on stage and they do Sleep Now in the Fire by Rage. So the Dang. rest of it, they when the encore would come on, Chris would come on by himself with an acoustic and he would play uh, Black Hole Sun by. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this because I, no, I can so put like myself Monty. right
2: there. You know what I mean? I think I saw that show actually. Which one? The 2003 or <laughs> 05? 2003. Yeah, the first one where they played Working Man? Um. I don't think we got there... Uh, that was nearing the end of the set. So Was it? Yeah. Then maybe it was. It was in Brazil.
0: Oh, I think they, yeah. They played Brazil. Um, so then in 2000, at nearing the end of the, like at the end of Black Hole Sun, when he would play an, uh, the encore, he would do two different things. He would go and either do Call Me a Dog by Temple of the Dog, which he was in with Eddie Vedder, or he would play the soliloquy from 2112. And that's... That's a good story. Just cool. to, to see Chris doing that from Rush. Obviously, Chris Timmy C from Rage Against Machine, the basis. He's a huge Rush fan. You can ask him. He's like massive Rush fan. Him and I also get along with talking about John Coltrane. We're both Coltrane guys. <laughs> but uh, one of the coolest moments that happened was that night for me. So they'd come on and they they did Killing in the Name by Rage. They would close this and then play Cochise, which is their hit single. But that night when they were doing Killing in the Name, right before it got to Fuck You, I Won't Do What You Tell Me, pardon the language here, uh, right before it, he got to that part, I just held up my middle finger so that way when he get, when he saw it, you know, Fuck You, I Won't Do What You Tell Me, he looked over, Fuck You, I Won't Do What You Tell Me. Then he started throwing it up. And every time I saw them on that tour a couple more times, he would do it. And I'm like, You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> that's for me. That's for me.
1: See, that's your your your... Finger uh, finger addition to yeah. the, the culture of that performance from then on.
0: Right. But then him and I, we'd run into each other at shows. When he opened the Hard Rock on the Strip, which where I ended up working, he opened the show. Him and his wife put me on the guest list when I was backstage with Nine Inch Nails and Soundgarden uh, in 2014. I walked in the door and he saw me and he was like, John Bonham, how are you? And we would always have this warm uh, reception with each other. And he was one of the most amazing people I've ever met. It's hard to to talk about him and him not be here. Um, And one of the last times I saw him was actually before I left. I went to uh, his grave uh, when I went to see Massive Attack last year, who were also people who have great keyboard usage in their their show. Um, But Chris was a legend, and I'm glad to have crossed paths with him.
1: Hey, on that note, I've got a couple chat, people to holler at, and then we've got to do a couple of, pay a couple of bills. we got a couple of Bob Thorntons to mm-hmm. pay off. Koba. Goody Bobs. Uh, I can't believe you haven't heard Pearl Jam in a minute. That, for a long time, has been my favorite band, just across the board, because I loved the way Pearl Jam kind of uh, uh, went anti-mainstream, but still made great songs. And but their new were-
0: record's dropping like within a week or so. Gigaton.
1: Oh, get ready. And songs that are just meant to be better every time you hear them instead of just being candy the first time you hear them. And I love that. The idea, especially like Vitology and No Code, felt like peaks to me of songs that were like for repeat listens and not ones you were supposed to get the first the time The first time
0: them. I saw them was at The Gorge in Washington. Ah! And they played one hour of acoustic and two hours of electric and arguably one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: Awesome. I also want to show out at our international buddy lord prosser um he mentioned he has a led zeppelin story hope you throw it into the chat i'm requesting it
0: i'm Uh, requesting it
1: yeah we always love a good zap story good to see you Ange, our correspondent remotely oh hi Ange. she actually gathered most of the news articles we'll we'll look at later i miss you buddy
0: let's hang out soon
1: holler jordan thanks for helping in the chat always love seeing you dude good seeing spacey one of the only person popping in from twitch thanks for helping that platform have somebody on it uh oh kova's hollering in, in twitch too. double streaming someone's double streaming hey no and <laughs> hey
2: <laughs> Sorry, so you know good. what we're trying
0: we're trying to promote this show and what better way to do it with me and jack secret here to do it for you was
1: that's right and uh so asking if we've got toilet paper no no one does but the stores are like hoarding it in the back and just putting a couple bags out I think out that's once. the case.
0: They, they do that. They took that idea from, uh, you know, the Black, uh, the Black Friday Record Store Day deals. So when you go into a record store and you're looking for that one item that just came out for yeah. Black Store, they're going to have it in the back and tell you what we, what we have is what we have and then secretly place it there. Just one at a time.
1: So you're always getting the last one.
0: I used to work in a video store. They called me Blockbuster John. Tell, I'll tell yeah. you what, we used to, sometimes people would hold the videos, like employees would hold some of the videos back, back in the yeah. front, and then wait, and just place it on the cart. It's not to be mean, it's just to be like, because if that one person, if they ask, and they have it, and another person wants it, there's a fight brewing. So yeah. just randomly place it there, and nobody knows how it got there.
1: Safety first, then teamwork. So first. So, um, that... Uh, something else that like uh, I overheard from someone about the oil crisis in the seventies that Johnny Carson caused a toilet paper shortage, and a lot of people are hearkening back to that. Him just joking during the oil crisis that they're going to ration toilet paper caused people to buy like all the toilet paper.
0: That sounds like a Johnny Carson thing.
1: Yeah, without all the distribution like updates that we have today with like quicker communication of moving stuff around. They were, like, way more in trouble. So a lot of people are reacting. That's part of what's behind the bonus toilet paper action. It's, like, a historical thing. Anyway, on that fun fact, uh, we've got to uh, pay Bob Thornton. Yeah, that's right.
3: Listen up. The soap you shower with? It's you probably haven't even questioned what bar of soap you lather up with. Let's face it, most guys don't. They're still using whatever bar their mommy bought for her little man. Is that what you want? To smell like mama's little man? Now you can upgrade your shower game with Dr. Squatch natural soap. Men who use their hands. Men who build things. Men who open the pickle jar on the first try. Men who catch foul balls without spilling their beer. You won't just smell good either. Your skin will be healthier and more nourished. Dare I say, soft. You want to smell like the forest? Boom! Pine tar. We've got you. You want to smell like the sea? Boom! Nautical sage? We've got you. You want to smell like you just got off a boat in the Caribbean? Boom! Bay rum? We've got you. We ship it right to your door. And with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, if it's not the best bar of soap you've ever used, it's on us. Tens of thousands of men already subscribe, Which means that every month, fresh new bars of Squatch show up at their door. Dr. Squatch Natural Soap. Real soap for real men. Hey
4: guys, to subscribe to Dr. Squatch, visit RadioVegas.rocks and click on the banner. What is Jesse Ray's Barbecue? Well, it's a tiny, unassuming place with a modest menu of platters, sandwiches, and house-made sauces. Located at 5611 South Valley View, by the smell alone, you're gonna know you're in the right place. Come try the award-winning slow-smoked ribs, chicken, pulled pork, hot links, and brisket. The sauce is also something to talk about as you will want to eat it with every bite. Here's a tip, their sauces, are available for purchase when people ask you how do you like jesse ray's barbecue you'll say like most people i know i don't like it i love it jesse ray's barbecue is hundred percent legit stop on by for a meal that will satisfy your barbecue loving lips mention radio vegas.rocks for 10 percent off your order jesse ray's located at 5611 south valley view on the corner of valley view and russell come in take a bite find out why they're so award-winning
0: be sure to get your mix of music,
2: listen to us with the RadioVegas.rocks app available at the App Store, and check out our VIP Did card you say we're live in our chat room, and scheduling of our RadioVegas.rocks shows, plus podcasts. It's all available on RadioVegas.rocks app. That ad is still
1: playing about the app, Jonathan. No, it doesn't matter. You guys Dude, know you about the app, right? just call me Jonathan? No.
0: You know better. I know.
1: You had no Athens in your name. No, there's not. So, folks, if you're tuning in now, which, what are you doing? It's like uh, 38 after the, that's oh, a weird time to tune in, but it's okay. You're listening to Greasy Conversation on Rocks. And, <coughs> excuse me. Now, if you fast forward in a second, I got to bug you extra. That Dr. Squatch soap, I took a brick home, and it's a freaking delight. It's quality stuff. So, if you're getting, like, a need for some squatch, good Do you it's have some soap, with you? Uh, I, there might be some left. No, I think other hosts took it all. I can't squatch again.
0: man. Other hosts, but you know, Jesse Ray's barbecue, right? I can't go there anymore. <laughs> Cause uh. you,
1: they kicked you out from no,
0: <laughs> because I'm vegan. Oh, okay. I would go there if I wasn't vegan. It's my favorite barbecue place in the city of Vegas. Bar oh, none. There we go. So we've got Jack secret going on uh, keyboard text, keyboard text. From Rush. Keyboard text for. He, he was the good texter for Rush.
2: <laughs> I uh, did a fair share of texting. Yeah.
1: There we go. So, what if that was your only role? Like, oh, we've got these texts to do. Give it to the keyboard text.
0: Why not? He's using his fingers anyway.
1: <laughs> here, finger this up for us, Jack. Right. All right. And then, of course, John's here. It's
0: John again. It's just me. I know this is what my third visit. Yeah, but I'm like back. a kind of an unofficial member of Greasy Conversation. In sure. A way.
1: Yeah, our, our Australian
0: correspondent. I was an Australian correspondent. Part of the panel. Part of the pa- that's it. Part of yeah. the panel. Yes, the peanut gallery, if you will. <laughs> um, no, I know. Like I said, I, I shout out to Koba out there, Koba, whatever. I don't know how you said <laughs> it. You didn't tell me. You didn't tell me how it was spelled.
1: Oh, C O B B A. I've actually never had a chat with him about the best way to pronounce it.
0: Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but. Uh, if, you're, if you've never been to Adelaide and you just want to go to Australia but stay away from, like, the major cities, Adelaide's the place to go.
1: Ah, Are you calling it not a major city? Is that, like, a low-key disc? It's
0: really not. It's <laughs> No, because if you look at it in the scope of Sydney and Melbourne, uh-huh. it's a completely different vibe. But the cool thing about Australia is it chills you out. It relaxes you. It makes you just a different person. It made me a different person. I can tell you that. And I wouldn't have finished my book if I didn't go there, I think. Because if I was stuck here, there's too much chaos. Yeah. But being there, being able to walk to the beach in five minutes and being able to just kick back, and it helped. Right on. And it really, it really let me let go. So uh, I do know that one of the news clippings that you had or one of the things that we were going to talk about. Let's play with that. Since, I, it since I was referring to myself, and I wasn't me referring to so, myself, People called me Blockbuster John uh-huh. because of me working at a video store because as much as I know about music, I know about film. So people would walk into the store and be like, hey, John, what's new? What's what's good? What have you seen? Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this. I think you'd like this. I think you'd like that. I was your recommendation guy. But even before that, I was at a boarding school for two years in 1990, summer of 97 to about May of 99. And I had this massive tape collection that was like an entire wall, and people would be like, "Hey, can I rent a movie?" So I would be their video service while at boarding school.
1: Nice. So you had like a like
0: your own little VHS tape collection. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you rent them to people.
0: Yeah, I mean they wouldn't pay me, but I'd be like, "Yes, just bring it back. Like, make sure you rewind it." it. I never. There were a bunch of movies that I never got back, (laughs) which is fine. But I, I guess I took pride in being that guy that says, hey, yeah, watch this, or maybe you'll like this, if you're into horror or if you're into sci-fi. So let's talk about the VHS tape thing.
1: Well, uh, oh, the VHS, yeah. Did I show you the news early on this one? How'd you sneak up on that? So you, you guys posted about it. If you go to greasyconversation.com, you can find a link to our live news notes yourself, too, and play along at home. But the news that you're uh, excellently... The VHS tapes. Se- ...segueing us into is this archive of hundreds, now thousands, of random VHS tapes that have been put on Internet Archive. Um, So if you look up VHS Internet Archive, I think there might be another link in this article too, but there's a link in this article. I mean, here we go.
0: The VHS Vault. The VHS Vault.
1: So this situation, there's so much nostalgia. There's (gasps) so many
0: scan lines. and uh, Oh, let it be in 35mm. See, that's the way... That's the way film is. Film is made on 35mm, and I love watching a movie on 35. Yeah, uh, movies that are meant to be that way. Pulp oh. Fiction, I saw it in 35. Really? At Tarantino's Theater, and in Glorious Bastards as well. There's nothing like seeing a film like that in 35.
1: So, what, what was it about? Like, Did you feel like you time warped, or did you feel like... Uh,
0: no, it's just the way the frame is. You know, and so a lot of it was the framing you think the framing for sure when you're filming is it is it cropped after that afterwards not really but it's it's still more of just like the theatrical way to see a film it, and most most movies aren't filmed in 35 right not anymore
1: yeah I, I mean you know, I really uh, don't know much about the film days if it like I got into That's I fair. started with the the mini the, not dat tapes but the mini DVs. Oh, by the <laughs> way,
0: if anybody does remember this, we no offense to, and not, not no offense to Jack, but Jack is actually sitting here with two award-winning filmmakers. We won an award for making a movie. Oh yeah, hey, hey now. So we did a
1: twenty-four hour film fest with Ange Kerfoot. What's up, Ange? Uh, who um, co-wrote the script with her buddy and directed it and like led the whole process, and we did this crazy. And vision with 3d goggles and stuff and it's on youtube now if you look for uh, oh
0: post it in the post it in the chat
1: um i'll, I'll see if i can do that during the break because i won't be able to
0: but it was a, a pleasure being a part of that movie and helping helping in any way i could maximum debauchery you can search maximum debauchery ma- that's
1: right. maximum debauchery but yeah, i'll post the link in in a bit that,
0: it got me thinking that maybe maybe we need to do more and maybe we should do something before i leave Yeah, yeah. Even if it's something small, because
1: John can't take off yet because everything's all all weird about the Mexican beer. I have an idea then. But yeah, we'll make it. Make us. I have an idea.
0: You want to hear it? Yeah. So you know how there's that book by uh, Gabriel Marquez, uh, "Love in the Time of Cholera."
1: I'm not familiar, actually. So it's a famous book, anyway.
0: (laughs) um, We can call it. We can make a, a little short film called "Love in the Time of Coronavirus." Uh-huh. and try to make a love thing around quarantine or stuff like that. And not in a, not in a zombie-ish kind of thing, but more of a, a real true-to-life story about what's going on. But trying to find love in a time of chaos and whatnot. Well,
2: we'll kind of, see. Kind of a quarantine movie.
0: <laughs> yes. Something like that. Something. Something like that. Word. But anyway, that's my idea. Or we can just make something weird, like we did last time.
1: It's, well, it's gonna end up weird.
0: Well, with, with you at the helm, yeah. yes. <laughs> if you and I are directing, it's gonna be weird, was. Yeah. What I else do we got here?
1: I don't want to direct. I just want to edit.
0: Other people can figure oh, that out. There's the Lion King one and a half, whatever that is. Maybe it's half inch. Film. What is this? Elastic reality introduction tutorial. <laughs> now I'm interested in seeing
1: that. So. Uh, so I started with mini DV tapes and these things would drop frames like nothing but it was like digital so great it could go right into the computer without being what are
0: we watching here 27 minutes elastic reality is there a description I don't know I need to make sure that's muted look at oh it's about the first
1: blender blendy Uh, it's a software it's a really early software for warping Oh, of course you would Make know sure what this is about. Yeah. So you
4: can see your shapes.
0: Look at that. OG, OG Mac OS. And choose from the how old is this video?
1: Nineties. So I'm gonna guess 94. Let's see what if I'm Resize right. Them try this movie is together. from 96. It doesn't look like 96. Well, how? What does it look like to you? The yeah, 90s it looks like look like 92 the 80s. or 93. Okay, (laughs) that's so specific. That computer he's using probably was made in ninety two and ninety three.
0: Okay. But I was talking about his attire too. Yeah, and his haircut.
1: That's what's weird about looking back is you see things in the past and like everyone was behind a certain amount at whatever time they were. So the whole beginning of the eighties, most of the eighties looked like the seventies. It was like seventies furniture, those wooden poles in your house. Mm. And then it wasn't until the nineties that you saw like a lot of eighties modernism and stuff and we've
0: Everything looks different. I just, I just posted the other day, or I was writing this novel that I was thinking about, uh, or that I finished, but, um, and I was going back, I'm like, okay, let's go back through my, my, my history, and I was thinking, when was the last time I actually had hair on my head? And it's been over a decade, maybe. And then I found pictures of me with hair, but it was like, there was green hair, there was blue hair, <laughs> there was blonde. I'm like, when was this? Early 2000s, at best, was the last time I had hair. Early 2000s. I don't remember when I started cutting it off.
1: I think it's funny when it moves from the head to the bottom of the face. You just have, like, upside-down face And then now. when Ange met
0: me, I yeah. had this beard <laughs> down to my chest. That's uh, when, your, when your wife met me.
1: Speaking of that area, that shirt you oh. have matches the wall, that's an <laughs> Abbey Road shirt for the listening audience.
0: That is correct. Was speaking of that, have you heard the story about the guy on the front of the ro- on the road here?
1: I might have, but I don't remember. I'm going to tell it to you anyway. I'm going to pretend to have heard it already once you've told me.
0: Jack might get this. This is kind of cool. So, Jack, there's this guy right here. See him? him. To the right, under a tree. Right there uh, next to the, what is it, the car? Next to a car of some kind. So he just happens to be there in England. He's a traveler. He's from Florida, right? Just walking down the street. And he turns around and he sees these four guys and he's like, "What are these four kooks doing?" Uh, That's what he, he calls them, <laughs> the four kooks. That's what he referred to me as because he didn't know, he didn't understand why they kept on walking across the road. He didn't understand why they were like he didn't photographing see the it. Giant camera aimed at him. Right over there. now, there's <laughs> lots of interesting stories about this, like you know, that this might not be Paul. Why he's walking it barefoot? At one's out of step. Yeah, because we're on
1: our second Paul, of course. Right, if not third. But
0: the cool thing about this is this guy. So he's just there on the side of the road. And, you, you know, he goes back and tells his wife this story and whatever. And she's a piano player at a church. One day he walks in and she's doing, she's playing songs from this record for a wedding. Right? She's learning the songs. And he comes in he's like, honey, it's the four kooks I was talking about. <laughs> and here yeah. he is on the cover of arguably the biggest record of all time. And he had no, he said he had heard who the Beatles <laughs> were, but didn't know them. Like he would not known their music. So here, he's not listened to their music, and he's on the biggest record of all time, easily. What and that's one of the coolest stories I think I've ever heard. When you're just on the cover of a record that of a band you've never listened to, <laughs> and it's the biggest record ever, look yeah. it up. It's a true story. I learned it because I was working at the Hard Rock on the Strip, and, and they had a place there, uh, they still do actually have a place, a room called the Cavern Club, and it's dedicated to... The place where the Beatles, the Who, the Stones, they all played before they got big. And there's a gold record in there presented to the Beatles of Abbey Road. And I was like, well, this is cool to have, but let's find out the real stories about the cover, right? Let's find out the real stories about... There was a a check in there, like uh, around the corner, a check signed by Ringo Starr to a film production company. And I was like, wait, is the film production company paying... Ringo, or is Ringo paying the company? And then a guy came in and said, "No, Ringo's the one paying for this." And I was like, "Oh, it looked like the other uh, way huh. around." So I think he was paying them for like a movie shoot or something like that or whatever. But it's nice to know the history about things because you can look at the cover of a record. And speaking of that, I'm glad I'm glad Jack is here. I was talking about this with um, with somebody because it came up about my novel. In my novel, I talk about how I love going to a record store and just being bewildered by the racks and endless rows of music. And the one thing I love doing is you love going crate searching because it's not just about the music, right? It's about finding that record when you see it, the cover of a record. It may not make sense later, but it's the album that matters, right? But it's the cover that draws you in. And one of the first covers I remember looking through my parents' collection that I found was Farewell to Kings. Just the guy sitting there amidst the rubble you know, of everything and sitting in that chair. And that's one of the records that I visually remember as a child saying, this, whatever this is, this is amazing. Uh, Grand Funk Railroad had another one. It was like 3D. Uh, of course, Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne was another one. Uh, and then in recent times, um, people don't really put in a lot of thought to covers anymore. Um, you know what i mean can like, i say
1: if we're going to talk about album covers tame impala if we're going to talk about modern album tame covers tame is
0: fantastic <sighs> and audio you brought up audio slave audio slave's first record done yeah. by storm thorguson who did all like most of the floyd stuff with just the flame sitting there yeah. in the sand like in like epic cover yeah. but you would never expect something like that today but pink floyd they had all those amazing covers rush had all their amazing covers as well
2: yeah okay. that that was basically Hugh Syme, who really uh at that point, really started coming to uh, to genius with uh, the work he was doing with Rush.
0: And you were aboard then, I assume, right? Um, I,
2: yeah, that was my first touring album with them. Wow. First tour was Farewell and to of see Kings. To
0: be able to say that right now and say that that record was one of the first that really bewildered me to just see the guy sitting there amidst the rubble and an amazing cover, and then that's his first tour, Synchronicity.
1: What blows there my mind even go. more uh, from a technical standpoint a little bit is that there wasn't MIDI at that point, and you had to get his pedals to work with his keyboard w- without using MIDI.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's um, insane. <laughs> I got that idea from my brother, who at the time was a sound engineer for Blue Oyster Cult, and he was taking a, a piezo Element, uh, attached to the snare drum, uh, separate line back to the board, and running that through an Oberheim four-voice module, uh, two-VCO module from the four-voice, and also uh, a Harmon uh, a harmonizer. Um, I'm trying to think of the company at the time. Eventide? Yes, Eventide. I think it was an HD 3000. And uh, with that on a a single channel coming in uh, when Albert, the drummer, uh, did his solo during the evening. And at that time, uh, Blue Oyster Cult had lasers and they would be going all over the place and just making all this chaotic uh, scene going on on stage. Uh, uh, Both Eric and Donald had uh, mirrors on the back of their guitars and they would catch the beams and they would throw it off into the audience that's so ingenious
0: yeah. i i've never i mean i people have lasers but so, to have like the mirrors on the back just to catch the beams and I mean, the beam would look so cool that oh way. come on it's like an og moving head so ingenious and nobody <laughs> does that today no.
2: well well nobody's allowed to do that today i <laughs> mean uh, back then we were doing things that uh, later on the uh, the government came out and took a look and said, uh, "You can't do that <laughs> <laughs> So we set precedent for the uh, for laser usage uh, back <laughs> in nice. the uh, wow. mid '70s.
1: So wait, so this uh, piezo element in the snare did it trigger a like a synth snare sound along with it?
2: Yes, it. it, it no, not a snare sound. Huh. Just it just triggered through the Oberheim module. That mixed with the snare sound, with the uh, snare mic, uh, he was able to just uh, you know throw the snare all over the place frequency-wise. Oh,
1: so, so the harder he hit it, the more it would be like the voltage determining the And pitch. also
2: attached to the, uh, to the uh, harmonizer, he had a keyboard.
1: Oh, so it would so be forced could, to
2: harmonize with the keyboard. Sure.
1: That's insane.
2: So there's some pretty weird stuff going on back then. Uh, I basically thought that if he was able to do that uh, with a piezo from a snare drum to the front of the house, there should be some way I would be able to make uh, the torus pedals talk with uh, external keyboards. And uh, I, during uh, shows with uh, Bob Seger, uh, their keyboard player at the time, Robin Robbins, Uh, had just purchased uh, an Oberheim 4-voice. And I think he bought the 4-voice add-on as well, so he had uh, full 16 VCOs. And uh, I brought uh, Getty back to see this and uh, told him that this is is something we may be able to use. And the reason we went with Oberheim back then, uh, with all of our synths, was at that time it was the only keyboard capable of, of splitting the sounds.
1: uh, Where part of the keyboard would be one sound and part of the keyboard would be another
2: sound. Yeah, and you could do that at any note you wanted. You could make just uh, Uh several notes, and uh, that became very useful for uh, interfacing uh, the pedals with the keyboard. And it could do
1: 16 notes at the same time? Um, Yes. Okay, cool.
2: Um, The only thing um, that it couldn't do was what I initially envisioned this was to be able to uh, program chords into a box and uh, depress a note where I want it to trigger from and record that. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, doing research on that. And uh, it was very expensive. Uh, but the the, uh, the mitigating factor was that uh, at that time all of the memory that I, would, that I would be using was volatile. So every time you would turn the machine off, or if during the show there was a spike and you lost your program, the only way to get them back is to reprogram the thing. And
1: Did you have to reprogram it from like a cassette tape?
2: Um, the Oberheims all had, had that uh, as far as their, their uh, memory and their, their onboard sounds. Uh, The only volatile equipment that we had back in the day was uh, a sequential circuits um, sequencer, which was done with uh, mini toggle switches. I think there was a a row of like 16 switches. And by positioning the switches, you could program in the note and the rest from uh, from the keyboard. But if power would go off that during the show, uh, there would be no sequence to, to play back. Uh, there were a couple of times where we had to reprogram it during the show because we'd lose power on stage. There were a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of things we had to overcome in the, in the beginning. So you were
1: saying the, the, the pedals were mapped to a portion of the keyboard so you could split the keyboard at that point?
2: Actually, the, uh, uh, we didn't have to do any real mapping because uh was able to y into the actual keyboard harness... Uh-huh. Uh at the octave level for each note, and it would match up. Nice. Uh, just uh, It would be an external trigger, uh, uh-huh. wide into the notes already there. And with uh, a switch, and we were using Cinch Jones connectors back then, uh, I was able to uh, get one of three different octaves uh, on the Oberheim, so that if, you know, wherever we needed to place bass parts or string parts or whatever... Nice. It made it very convenient to where you had to split the keyboard to do that was
1: it a lot of wires going down to the ground
2: um it was thirteen thirteen wire uh harness uh you so know, it control was to, like, multiplex
1: a certain amount a little bit
2: yeah um and again you know i I did a lot of uh different types of things uh as far as uh utilizing the the power supply ah uh-huh in uh, torus pedals to power the switching uh and to power the leds for uh doing the switching uh at the time
1: because it was a little bit a little optical switch right yeah you need yeah.
2: i needed to, uh, he for needed to know speed, when things yeah. were on and off because uh-huh. of uh uh the way he would sometimes approach and hit something and if he would double trigger it or something, uh, rarely ever did that. But I remember in the beginning days when we were using sequencers, uh, the only uh, foot switches available for that were the momentary kind of waffle, uh-huh. like a little V. And there was no way of knowing if it was on or off. You hit it, and sequencer would go. You hit it again, it would stop. Cool. And unfortunately, um, you know, Ged couldn't always hear what was going on. Yeah so uh uh he wanted uh a foot switch with a light on it and at that point in time there was no there was no foot switch with a light on it that was momentary (laughs) nice so i ended up uh uh, getting together with uh uh one of the brilliant uh engineers at uh la studio uh richard ely and uh he, um, I told him what I wanted to do, and he designed or copied the circuitry out of the torus pedals, momentary on-off switches, and we combined that into a foot pedal, oh, awesome. single switches. And uh, then he, Alan, or uh, not Alan, <laughs> uh, Getty had uh, a complete, you know, visual control now of of everything that he was turning on and off. There was quite a bit at one point. Nice. There were, uh, between, uh, all of them triggered stuff. And uh, between them, there were upwards of seven or eight uh, controllers going.
1: All from his feet?
2: Uh, From his feet, Alex's feet, and Neil had a uh, DOS pad that he used that would wire into me, and then he had his own system uh, designed uh, with, uh, I guess the first ones were the uh, 900s. The Akai's.
1: Oh, okay. What's a DOS pad? Uh,
2: uh, it's um not a DOS pad. It's a um, it's a trigger. Okay. Again, it's a simple a simple yeah. uh, uh, a piezo type trigger.
1: Fun thing about those elements that a lot of people don't know. That's a fun fact for you folks out there. Uh, it's the same thing that used to be a little speaker in those singing Christmas cards often used as a tweeter and like cheaper speakers or there's fancier ones that use a similar tech and uh, used in some kinds of microphones but what it is is quartz crystal it's the same quartz crystal that vibrates inside a wristwatch to keep the time it vibrates really precisely or even when you start a grill when to start a barbecue grill and squeeze the trigger a little hammer hits this crystal and makes a little spark so it can convert shock energy into electricity and vice versa.
2: I couldn't have said it better. Yay, thanks! Yeah. Uh,
0: as I've now entered the chat room, by the way, myself over here, I uh-huh. did say hi, uh, I just wanted to mention there is a, an emergency message that says, your Amazon order has arrived.
1: That's not an emergency.
0: Well, I mean, it was just
1: it's just breaking that, news. That's love, is what that is. Breaking news. Yeah.
0: Your Amazon order is here.
1: That's a personal message that's just for me that's public because, uh, because of love And it's it's affectionate knowing of my packages. When we talk about my package publicly, it's a sign of endearingness.
0: So the last time I was here, you were talking about (laughs) praying, and you were going to pray harder than anybody. The best. And now you're talking about your (laughs) Amazon package.
1: Well, we're going to pray competitively. Me and a friend of mine, we're going to have a pray off. They are. I was going to destroy him. Destroy. Is
0: Destroy is Is that why he's not here? Yeah. You destroyed him?
1: him? He's all cursed and stuff. He's a I, ghost. I miss you, Greg. <laughs> I know, I miss him too. So uh, the other thing was, before we go to uh, Bob Thornton hour real quick, is multiplexing. Because that used to be such an intimidating concept to me before I just got that basically you just make a grid. So you might see 12 keys in a row, but you can get uh, 12 squares by having... Uh, say like three by four so you have like three rows and four columns and then you only have uh that's four or five six seven wires to get 12 inputs so it's just putting your two wires that get shored together in a in a grid but you have to scan that's the tricky part with multiplexing is you don't know if buttons are being pressed at the same time unless you have diodes in there and you're scanning which row you're listening to which computers can do really quick yeah. So we can get by with a lot fewer wires.
2: We didn't have those computers back then.
1: No, I know what you're doing. We could have done with an Arduino, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna help Bob out real quick. This place, um, beards. That's what I was gonna say. This is isn't this an amazingly smooth segue? Yeah, yeah, go beards. Ahead. We got something for your beards.
5: Hey. Dudes with Beards, I'm here to tell you about Mad Viking Beer Company. What is that you ask? Well, that's a good a question. Episode. They are the best beard products and men's hey, grooming company I since 2013. That. Guys, drop the razor, because with Mad Viking Beard Company, they kill the beard itch and give you what you need to grow a better beard, like beard oils, relieves beard itch, creates a healthier and more manageable beard, reduces brittle beard hair and breakage, you know, like split ends. The natural oils help promote a fuller and longer growth, giving you a little bit of hold, and it acts as a styling agent to keep those flyaway hairs in place. Then there is the beard wash. Not your average store-bought chemical latent concoction, alright? Mad Viking Beard Wash... It's sulfate-free, paraben-free, offers top-to-bottom clean and conditioning experience all-in-one. Providing a deep, all-natural, sulfate-free clean with a rich conditioning finish for a soft, moisturized face and beard. You know, for the ladies. To order, visit www.radiovegas.rocks and click on the banner to order now.
3: These wheels are real exciting and bear my name, Evil Knievel.
1: Hi, it's Waz from Greasy Conversation. Did you know the pioneering stuntman Evil Knievel, the world-record motorcycle-jumping father of extreme sports himself, lives on spiritually in the satiny dough and hearty brick cheese of the pizza that bears his name. Evil Ah!
3: Knievel.
1: Evil Pie, that's E-V-E-L, on glistening East Fremont Street in the heart of downtown Las Vegas. They've been thriving here since back in 2016 because unlike our hero, it's not dangerous. The flavor isn't even risky, but it is braggadocious. I get the world-famous Snake River Special with a rattlesnake sausage. Honestly, it's great. I do love it, and it makes me feel like a mighty conqueror of perilous beasts. Vegans, don't tune me out. This place is known for their vegan pizza, too. So get over there. Just make sure you check the RadioVegas.rocks app first. That app will have new specials just for RadioVegas.rocks listeners. Show them the app and satisfy your lust for excitement. Eat my-
3: LV Classic Rock is back. Hi, it's your friend on the radio, Dennis Mitchell, and we're back to rockin' and rolling just like the good old days. If you didn't know, Las Vegas used to have two Classic Rock stations, one of which was awesome, and when corporate radio took it away, we just kept it going on the Internet, and now it's back in all its original glory. Streaming live 24-7, it's LV Classic Rock, and all you have to do to enjoy it is go to the website, LVClassicRock.com, and use the online player, Or get the free Radio Vegas Rocks app. That way you'll never be without LV Classic Rock, Las Vegas' best classic rock station.
1: Behold, we've returned. It's greasy conversation. And we're back, it's RadioVegas.rocks. Be sure to mention RadioVegas.rocks with these sponsory homies. And get the app, because we've got this scratchy card thing where... All you have to do is get that free app. but You get it at RadioVegas.rocks so you don't accidentally get our old app. That the, We had an app forever ago and the company went under and they didn't remove the old app. So that's a whole shenanigans, but you get the correct one when you go to our website and uh, check out Juan's Flaming Fajitas. You go there a couple times, you scratch it on the little digital scratcher there's even a QR code if you don't have the app when you get there and you suddenly remember. And you can get your Juan's Flaming Fajita situation going on. They've su- supported the station for a long time. And now you can get some of that that sweet fajita support back to you.
0: And Speaking of support, uh, support. when I watched uh, your show last time, yeah? uh, and I was here, and you had uh, Evan and Cece on from Hella Anxious. Yeah! Uh, like... I think about a day later or so, CC added me on Facebook. So shout, yeah, out, that, shout out to Hella Anxious. Uh, I love that Because I've known out. Evan since he was in One Pin Short, obviously. Oh, yeah. And that's how we met. But
1: that might be what I recognize his freaking face from. Because yeah. it feels familiar. He
0: was the, he was a drummer for One Pin Short. Ah, uh, well, shoot.
1: Yeah. I remember that band, Local Music
0: Hallam. Local up. Music Hallam. <laughs> First band I went on tour with, actually.
1: Wow. Yep. Well, speaking of bands, you guys have been on tour with. Let's just holler some out and see, like, uh, like quick draw, people you've toured with. Let's see who they've like, where they combine. Let's branch off from anyone like Pearl Jam.
0: I've not been on tour with Pearl Jam. I wish. I know, right? They
1: were like already special.
0: Doing their real big fish. Leonard. that's the one pin short tour that i was on with real big fish oh awesome uh and then the other one was with gbh and outer national gbh is a punk band yeah and
1: don't look at me i haven't seen anything
0: that's uh, obvious <laughs> yeah <No. laughs> we know we know was <laughs> uh but i mean i don't I.
1: my first concert was the vandals at Glasshouse, and it was a that's reunion a good show. show it was In sick. Pomona, right yep Pomona. they had that one drummer uh john Josh Freese Josh Freese with from everybody,
0: a perfect circle, nine inch nails, sublime
1: with Rome. So just uh, seeing Josh Freese Weezer. was alone amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Josh is one of the best drummers I've seen and gotten to meet. So he's a so, great guy.
1: That was a sick first concert, like mm-hmm. first that I went to without like family or whatever. I was like a junior. Or what something. was your
0: first concert?
1: Um, I don't think I went to any concerts with my parents at all. It had to be like when I went, like as a teenager with friends. So it was totally that one.
0: Jack, do you remember your first show?
2: Uh, yeah, it was in uh, Alexandria, Louisiana. It was uh, Dick Clark's caravan of stars, and I think uh, it might have been. Uh,
0: I'm gonna guess Little Richard or James Brown
2: no it was it wasn't really any of them it was like golden medallions and uh dino desi and billy and who was the young sinatra this diamond ring who, what was that oh 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 shoot doesn't shine know, for me anymore i
1: know that song i don't remember the dude so yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it's a, Chat, I think help that was me
2: out. a sinatra or something uh, not frank obviously no not
0: frank <laughs> i know exactly the song you're talking about same can't think of the person's name
2: jimmy But I had gone specifically, because I saw on the uh, advertising, I was 15 at the time, uh, on the advertising, uh, the Yardbirds. And uh, (laughs) I'm a Man, the harmonica and the whole vibe of that song totally changed me around. And um, that night, um, the lead guitar player was absent due to illness, and uh, Jimmy Page uh, played guitar all night, and they were a four-man kind of uh, thing going on. Nice. And that, to me, was uh, what—that was my first concert. And, uh, pretty, pretty exciting to see those guys, and to know that they were in town staying at a hotel uh, just down the block.
1: It cracks me up how there's a tradition of culture and art changing so that the art and music of a of a upcoming young generation often doesn't make sense to the generations previously except for one generations and like one culture bubbles music and that's classic rock you have influences from all kinds of nationalities that have then like bled through other nationalities bringing it to them and just this whole tradition to where like you have like something that started in like uh, the, the, the depth and blues and poverty of black America adopted by uh, white England, sold back to white America. And then meanwhile, you have um, people still discovering it, whether they grew up with it and said like, that's a chunk of my parents' music I still love. Or it's people that grew up with... Or grandparents say, now yeah it's something beautiful seeing people that grew up with hip-hop that had like soul parents discover like uh led zeppelin and discover rush and like their reactions and how it's just like oh this this stuff delights everybody
0: see and that was the reverse for me i was born obviously with the name but when i was growing up listened to what my parents listened to again Mm -hmm. which is discussed in the novel classic rock country you know stuff like that and then i found hip-hop later on during Uh my high school years and so it was kind of like that but to touch on your point about everybody liking classic rock here's something to ponder now when we were growing up we're about the same age I'm 38 right 36 36 we're about the same age so when we were growing up the things that were defined as classic rock were Led Zeppelin the Beatles the Rolling Stones anything 20 years prior to us right that's what it was Pink Floyd Pink Floyd stuff like what's that today classic rock is the alternative 90s we're talking everything that we grew up listening to from STP to Rage to Tool all those bands, classic rock band. Yeah, it still
1: maintained that heritage for sure. Correct.
0: Even Nirvana. I mean, mm. but technically Nirvana is the biggest band of the 90s without question. I, there's not, you can't get around without saying that.
1: By the numbers, that's right. By the right? numbers. No.
0: It would be between them and R.E.M., I think. Mm. R.E.M. was up there. Yeah. Right? And their song is very apropos right now. I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> but there are many songs that are apropos. I was talking about Euphoria Morning by Chris Cornell. He mentioned there's a song on there called preaching the end of the world and it's a fantastic song he's looking for somebody to share the end of the world with Mm -hmm. so if you're interested in end of the world things of course listen to rem yeah that song it's the end of the world as we know it or chris cornell but man if you're going to talk about rem i got to talk about uh they're the they're the reason my basically alternative music exists
1: True, true. And, and that kind of freedom of saying, okay, we don't have to have the same instrumentation of everything right. rock. Uh, being rebellious of, of the instrumentation and the arrangement and then playing along with before, before you
0: go, Before you go into what you're saying, uh, there's a show that I watched on BBC a while back. It's called The Seven Ages of Rock. And it goes through Jimi Hendrix and The Who and Zeppelin and all these things. And one of my favorite episodes was Left of the Dial, talking about the alternative 90s talking about rem nirvana and the rise of grunge and Mm. uh that is something i think everybody should watch watch the seven ages of rock if you can find it online
1: media recommendation seven ages of rock now rem recommendation if you're not an rem like if you've been sleeping on them start with automatic for the people easily It's, it's such a likable album see a lot of the other albums have great songs and then songs that aren't for everybody And I love that. I love bands that take risks and don't make songs that I like every song, but the songs I do like, I love. Whereas there's other albums and bands that I love every song, but not as much as those rogue ones, because they just don't take as many chances. Wilco is one that like there's only a couple of Wilco songs that break my heart to like maximum levels. And those are the ones with the the crazy guitar stuff that they had for a minute and like uh, Ghost is Born. Uh, but other than that, it's just always great songs. But like, Automatic on- for the
0: People has uh, Night Swimming, which yeah. is one of my favorite songs. It has Man on the Moon. It has Everybody Hurts. Like, that is a fantastic The Untitled
1: record. bonus track at the end is one of my favorite freaking songs, even. So that album is one of those rare ones that straddles the line where it's uh, it does things that are unique enough to get that, wow, that's the only place I can get that special feeling. But also, every song is great. The worst songs on it are, are, are great still. So it's just super listenable and got the right amount of And it's of only 49 minutes. Yeah. But then Green is a close second, too. Ooh. It just gets more dangerous in Green, where there's a couple songs in Green that I like more than any song on Act for the People, but the whole album isn't the same
0: for me. And there was the other thing. We were on. talking about album covers, and R.E.M. never had a fantastic album no. cover. <laughs> Not once.
1: No, Monster was kind of cool. Monster was cool, but They're everything
0: they did, it wasn't. It's ne- sometimes it's never about. Like I said earlier, on you, listen, people, to, just like you a listen to listen to a record song. and you're like, why did we choose this album cover? <laughs> like, th- did it makes maybe it makes sense for the record? Cool, fine. What's one of those things where it's not the focus of the? But art. when you also watch the video and you're yeah. like,
4: what's going on
1: here? They're just This has around. nothing to do with the song. They're just in uh, like. Uh, overalls and playing ukulele and whatever. Have you ever Mandolin. have
0: you ever heard of the the thing literal video? No. Okay, so what it is? And I used to do it at, at the Hard Rock. I was a VIP host at the Hard Rock, so uh, knowing a lot about the bands and stuff, I get to, I gave tours of memorabilia, but I also programmed the music that you and the videos that you were watching in the cafe. So one of the things I developed with a friend was we would go watch the video. And there's these things called literal video. Look it up. It's on YouTube. There's thousands of them. Uh, Media recommendation. One of the ones that I, the two picked that I chose to do literal video for were Beck's loser and red hot chili peppers under the bridge. Uh-huh. But when you watch Beck's video, you're like loser. Okay. We might get the term, but what's going on in this video? At the beginning of the video, the guy's taking off like a stormtrooper helmet. In the video, he's pulling, uh, he's pulling a coffin on a rope, <laughs> in in like tint. And then like there's there's flashes of race cars driving and crashing, or there's him jumping over a bush or disappearing in these bushes. And you're like, there's death dancing in a graveyard with two girls who are exercising. And I'm like. <laughs> What's going on in this video and what does it have to do with the term loser? Those were the days. All.
1: Everything's in Fish Islands. Right. But <laughs> you're
0: just like, okay, you, you watch the video and it makes no sense to the song whatsoever, but you're intrigued. Yeah. Remind me to do it for you, Waz, because it's hard. Would you just like
1: narrate what's going on in the video?
0: If you put I swear to you, if you put <laughs> up the video right now, I would so do it.
1: That video is in nuts. a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> but th- that's what I'm saying. Music, music sometimes you can look at the song, but it's about perception, right? And that's what the video's about, perception. The, the album cover's about perception. It's how you see things. I'm sure Rush had many things like that as well. Am I right, Jack? Well, you
2: know, we always left it up to, uh, to the label. And uh, the, the band did uh, take a look at a lot of different uh, producers. Uh, We never had much, I don't think, much luck with videos, though.
1: The back lines of the uh, stage, though. The the rotisserie chickens instead of a wall of guitar amps.
0: The wall of washer-dryers behind them. I mean, what's the the most talked about album from Rush is arguably, what, 2112?
1: I don't know. Moving Pictures.
0: But I'm saying, like, in the scope of things, people love, truly love 2112. They love all Rush albums. I'm not debating that. But 2112, like, you see thing. you see a, the cover and everything, and it, it's, it's, an entran- it's a pretty epic thing. It's an entrancing situation. They even talk about it in Ready Player One, the book and the movie, uh-huh. right? But it's the songs that matter on that record, and then you look at the album cover, and you're like, okay, this is something that does make sense for the record itself. Um, your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I mean, again, uh, uh, Hugh Syme working with them back then, and them working with uh, with him on concepts. Neil being very much involved, the whole band being very much involved in right. what they wanted to do visually. When we went into videos, though, they went in with uh, with the uh, the attitude that. Um, the guys making the videos know what they're doing and
1: that's peaceful, we should put yeah. our
2: uh, our trust into what they're doing um and, with, and same thing with, with several producers and engineers that they went through and it all worked out well except I think on the video end uh, these storylines that, uh, that some of these producers would come up with and uh, have the band do um just not a, a a good band to translate. And the other thing is, you know, the the videos, the MTV stuff, when that started happening, to me, I couldn't I couldn't hear the same song that I used to hear in the past uh, with my mo- own imagination as to as to what's going on. And it, it became like watching the band's little commercials for <laughs> yeah. their album. And uh, to me, that was kind of disturbing. I agree.
1: Good way uh, to look at it, though, because they started to not even play the whole song anyway. So it definitely was turned into just commercials, which is a shame because there's some memorable videos.
2: I mean, again, there are amazing video works out there. Uh, uh, any, any, uh, any favorites films. off
0: the top of your head?
2: Um,
0: I mean, mine might be Take On Me by Aha. That video was way ahead of its time. For sure. And I think, my, I think to me, maybe one of the best music videos not just that I've ever seen, but ever made was prodigy smack my bitch up that video.
1: It looks expensive and modern to this day. It's weird to think about how right, old that is. Right.
0: But in terms of the video and what uh, Jonas Ackerland was doing in that video, because he also did turn the page uh, by Bob Seeger, Metallica's version. Uh-huh. Uh, he did that video, but smack my bitch up by prodigy is like the whole misdirection thing of the video at the, from the beginning to the end. And I watched that back today, and my sister saw it for the first time recently. She's like, what is that? I was like, watch the video, watch the unedited version, you'll thank me later. She texts me back, she's like, holy crap. I'm like, I know, it's the greatest video that might ever exist.
1: Wait, so speaking of Prodigy, have you seen the, I forget what it's called, I'll remember in a second, but these people, these sound designers that do sound design for movies, were taking music videos and replacing the audio with what it probably sounded like on the shoot. So no. you're like... Footsteps and breathing, and it just like the prodigy videos, especially, are so funny this way because you hear him being like, <laughs> like, I can dancing, only imagine like, what Firestarter sounds like, yeah and like muttering to himself and stuff like that. Wow, it's, it's so funny, it just makes it feel so like wet and
0: awkward. But I wanted, yeah, I'd ask Jack what his favorite any videos off the top of your head that you might remember.
2: Oh. Music video favorites. There, there are a bunch of, of videos out there. I just can't remember them all because I'm. It's been that, a minute since any of us have in life looked at where a where video. I don't remember. You're, you're a little young. You're a little young, Jack. <laughs> a little yes, I young am. on that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I can't think of the name of the band. But uh, they're they're walking through this warehouse that uh, and they're uh, all in white. I guess. And there's machines behind them that are acting like those mousetrap machines where one thing knocks into something else, like I just did with this. I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> to visualize this so and, that you keep talking and, and I might remember this. It's all uh, them going through and these different uh, things crashing into things and then creating something else to move. And at the end, there's these huge balls that are filled with paint, I guess, and they explode uh, is it uh, band?
0: that band that makes, like...
2: They did something, I think, in an airplane as well.
0: Okay, go? That's it. It's got to be. They right? also
1: did one on treadmills. Treadmills, yes. Yeah, it's, oh, okay, it's okay, go. It's definitely okay, okay go. go. That's yeah. what I was
0: like. Is It's got to be them because they make the most elaborate amazing videos yeah. that they can create in a lot of their videos in one
1: shoot are low budget yeah, high it's work It's a continuous
0: shoot yeah. it's a one shoot yeah it's yeah, definitely do. okay go nobody does videos like okay, no one go. does
1: continuous shoots like them either it's insane oh, look yeah oh oh thank you alan yeah we we got arturo alan, chavez ch-
0: what's up yes this is john bottom what's up man
1: yeah arturo chavez in the greasy conversation band the compendium band to this podcast he's the guitarist Oh, is it? Look it up on Spotify.
2: <laughs> <laughs> have I met Arturo before? You. Happy birthday.
1: <laughs> Happy
0: birthday, Alan. Happy birthday, Alan.
1: No, you haven't met Alan yet.
0: Uh, no, but it's Arturo. He was Arturo. saying, is that John Bonham? And I don't, I don't do if I met him.
1: Um, I'm not sure if you've met our guitar doodle, dude. Well, you're gonna. You did now electronically. It happened. Yeah,
0: hey, what's up?
2: <laughs> so, yeah, okay, go, Jack. Amazing, amazing luthier, Alan.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. He's got all the woodworking, uh, finagling tools. So it's, it's and he
2: always th- knows how to finish my uh, my thoughts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's AMD Guitar Works, right? Yeah. Okay. Cause sometimes I accidentally say AMG. Oh wow! That's Mercedes. Hard rock fan.
2: That's
0: what's up. Hey. He worked with us. For, he worked with me for like five minutes. AMD. I hope. I hope you didn't hate me, bro. <laughs> I was a very dislikable guy at some point. I'm. I still am. In <laughs> a way it's okay we all we all change right
1: (laughs) word yeah i fluctuate throughout the day
2: all right well i'm glad we got the okay go thing out i'm glad you said (laughs) that like yeah that to me those those videos and alan actually uh showed me those when we were working together in the shop good on you alan and like the it turns uh, the, me on to a lot of video stuff.
1: The treadmill one wasn't expensive for them to do. They just had to practice it. Right. And like that idea of like this is just the art and the and the, the soul going into this presentation, even though it's silly and fun. Rather than spending a bunch of budget on it. Like I know one band, love them to death, and they spent a bunch on a, a music video and an expensive producer, and the only thing that happened in the video is there is a bright light behind someone's head and their head would move in front of the light sometimes, and sometimes their head would move not in front of the light, and the light would shine through the back of their hair, and it was really beautiful in high definition. But that's literally the only thing that, it, that occurred.
0: I wish my hair glistened in the sunlight like
2: that. Yeah.
1: But it didn't distract from the song that much. That's a bonus.
2: <laughs> Fair. Some of the other artists would be Peter Gabriel. and oh,
1: Peter, oh, Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. Sledgehammer. Goodness. Yes. Right? Uh,
2: well, And I- Genesis, too. Genesis has some interesting uh Michael Jackson for sure oh has yeah. some really great videos. Uh,
1: yeah, holler your favorite videos out there. in
2: the chat.
0: That's what's up, man. Nice to meet you. And you let's uh, and let's oh, definitely yeah. uh let's I'm definitely link up sometime soon
1: Shout out to Boogie. I love Boogie. Yeah, you remember Boogie the sound guy? I no it's
0: Boogie who's uh who's in the band uh Different Boogie. Different Boogie. He's in the band uh Oh, come on. It's right there on the tip of my tongue. It's a Vegas band. People's Whiskey. That's oh, it.
1: Oh, okay. I think I, I know him too. Not as well. I love People's Whiskey.
0: Um, I like whiskey in general. and Scotch yeah. for that matter.
1: Man. So, hey, we got one more quick little Bob Thornton, and then we're going to do a little news chuck. So, just a second with us. Here Don we go. Good deal.
0: Woo. Hey, Sal.
2: Hey there, lonely boy. What
0: the was that? Dude,
3: down here. What the f***? We are your balls. Hello. How in the hell? So we don't have time to talk about that now. Dude, rubbing that bar of soap against us for like 10 seconds does nothing but just spread around your junk funk. You might as well be bagging us into a dirty mop bucket.
4: You want to get some action from something other than yourself, don't you?
3: Well, your first step is to stop making your most desirable place an inhospitable
0: environment. Trust us, Sal. Let us continue doing the thinking for you, big guy. Go buy some Ball Wash. Ball Wash XL today.
3: <laughs> ball Wash? What is Ball Wash? What is Ball Wash? It's no laughing matter. Ball Wash is a powerful yet gentle pH-balanced wash formulated for a guy's most odor-prone and sensitive area. It also features activated charcoal and other natural ingredients selected for their unique properties, making it the perfect wash for balls and body. Hey, dude, you
0: remember that day when you were making the bed, and your hand slipped off the sheet as you pulled on it, and you smacked us really hard by accident? <laughs>
3: That shit hurt, but damn, it was funny. (laughs) Okay, seriously now. Use promo code RADIOVEGAS at checkout, and you will get 15% off your order. That's ballwash.com.
4: Hey everybody, it's Crazy J from the Rockin' Comedy Show, and for a while now we've been telling you about Nevada's best pooper scooper service, and that of course is M&N Pooper Scooper Services. They're going to come to your home, apartment, condo, they'll come on a regular basis, they'll come twice a week, they'll come once, they'll just come once, maybe you're having a big event, maybe a wedding or something in the yard, you gotta clean it up. They specialize in what you hate to do, and that's cleaning up after your pets. Let's face it, we really don't like it, but these guys, they'll get the job done at a reasonable price. They are licensed and insured professionals who are trained thoroughly to clean your yard.
3: Hey, this is Mike, the owner and founder
1: of Eminem Pooper Scooper Services. Call today and mention radiovegas.rocks for $10
4: off your first service. So check out Eminem Pooper Scooper Services today.
1: And we're back. It's greasy conversation. On radiovegas.com, and uh, we've got a special moment of the broadcast now that you've been waiting for. I know I anticipate it. It's news chug time.
0: Chug a chug a chug a chug a chug. And oh,
1: I'm getting a phone call from the people who have the show on after me, Brandon and Kevin. I'm sorry I'm missing your phone because I'm broadcasting right now.
0: Can't answer the phone, man. But
1: stay tuned for Brendan and Kevin. Um, That's a good reminder to me to holler at one of my favorite shows in the station. It's easy to say that about all the shows in the station. But Brendan and Kevin, uh, bring it on the quality content on the You bring it, buddy. Ah, thank you.
0: Me and Jack wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. That's That's true. Wow. Jack doesn't just come out for everybody
1: although i did see you on in the other studio on facebook on someone's show from two years ago or something
2: yeah that was um
0: but think about that that he said that was two years ago right yeah
2: about jack
0: jack came to see you today that's right
2: that's right
1: so first of all we've got these cameras you can swallow now but hasn't that been something you guys heard about for a while
0: a camera that you can swallow.
1: Yeah, so you can get, instead of a ah. scope going up your Yeah, butt, I've heard of that. swallow a camera. I've been hearing about this since I was a kid, but apparently there's finally a product for that. And look at this fella. This is a horrible picture if you're going to advertise it. Because in this picture for audio people, the pill is by the camera and the mouth is further away. So it looks like you're swallowing like a an adult thumb. <laughs> it doesn't look like. I guarantee this camera is smaller than that. That's I hope it not, feels
0: okay coming out.
1: That's not a good marketing photo. That's uh, so. That's one thing. I, that's kind of a quicker one. Elon Musk is talking about how you can finance your trip to Mars. I can save you reading that article.
0: I he's, was just talking about Mars earlier, so yeah, guys, I'm in.
1: He's gonna he's gonna have you go to work. It's gonna be like a work loan. So you go to yeah, Mars. I'm in. And you just sow the fields.
0: I'm in. I'm so down.
1: Now. Don't talk about what this is regarding. No words about it. But we have to briefly look at Circle Man. Circle Man is dealing with the... The Disc
0: Man that you were talking about. Disc Man.
1: Oh, Disc Man's a better name than Circle Man. So Disc Man Social. He's social engineering.
0: Yeah, social separation is what he... Social distancing is what he's doing. And it's perfect.
1: He's wearing a, a, a disc. Maybe it's craft foam or cardboard but it goes out for a single meter around him in every direction so no one can get within a meter of this guy without bumping into his disc that what he's wearing around his body also he, this is an ad The new york post is out of control so
0: it looks like there's a fight on an airplane
1: oh well you, i got your attention there's a fight in an airplane new york post this is in a you lost it well this is a, what it's do you okay. call it
0: we got the VHS te- VHS tape rampage.
1: I'm, I'm rushing a little bit. We got a second. so
0: There was a fight on an airplane.
1: Interesting. So the, the stewardess people were having everyone, like they had to go up and down the aisles extra when I flew a week ago yeah. because everyone was wet wiping their seats. And the plane and the airport smelled more like Lysol than I've ever smelled in my life. So there's definitely stuff going on. But this guy, he's got one of those claw-on-a-stick things. I did a 3D like illustration of him for the promo graphic, but I that's the it. actual dude. So this airplane fight, I swear...
0: No, it's fine. Now we got some Adam's dead. It's so good. It disappeared. I'll have to look it up later.
1: We'll peep back in there. I didn't mean to... Tease Designer like face masks. That. So there's you can get face masks that are designer style. We've got fun to do. Nice. Look at that. It's all that,
0: s- it's so apocalyptic, but Louis Vuitton.
1: It's all Louis Vuitton looking like like you're in Mortal Kombat or something.
0: Yeah, I'm into that.
1: Yeah. I like it. I want that anyway. No, your airplane's gone forever. Thanks, New York Post. Now yeah, some no, ship.
0: Just take it off.
1: That ship situation, like, people need to be pulled off the ships. Okay, what's this Just exoplanet
0: read? with iron rain?
1: Check this out. So we can't let you go another week without interesting news in the cosmos. That's a recurring theme on this show. and Which it, I'm all about. We've been discovering lots of ice uh, exoplanets, planets around distant stars that we're seeing moving in front of the star. We've discovered a couple... Um, that are inhabitable Goldilocks
0: zones. Speaking of stars, when I was in Australia, and Cabo can explain this. cabo has been here, right? Uh, I only have known him through the internet
1: uh, because there's a fellow YouTuber that I've done music behind. Okay, and that's how. So I'm Cabo
0: can tell you if cabo has been to the the Northern Hemisphere. The, the constellations differ in the Northern Hemisphere when they and the Southern Hemisphere. So when I went there, I saw different stars that I'd never seen before that I would not see here. Like I saw the Southern Cross or, you know, a cluster of stars. Uh, and coming back, it's the same thing. There are different clusters of stars. I would recommend... Here's a, an app recommendation. Uh, it's called Star Chart. Uh, you can go on to the Star Chart here. And... If you point it to the sky.
1: Oh, yeah, to see the star <laughs> situations like that, It'll tell you
0: thing. exact constellations that you're looking at.
1: It's pretty magical.
0: It's pretty magical. I think
1: people that watch actual TV, like, hella got ads about that. And it's only, like, us internet-watching stuff. People that are like,
0: wow, that's a thing. It is a thing. Like, wow, there's a new Star Wars movie it, I never I, know. I think I possibly found, <laughs> see, because I'm not from this planet. I think I found the planet that I was from. Nice. So, it's a, it's a couple of light years away, though.
1: Snuggle planet. Yeah. So, Kyle, be genius, is wants to get up on that show, too. That's you, me, Ange, and Greg. We'll throw him on. We'll throw you on a couple times, Kyle. He's one of the competitors to you on, like, a uh, favoritist retur- recurring host, co-hosty guest. Oh, so we'd
0: have a five-piece.
1: Yeah, that's almost ridiculous, but I would do it with you particular people. We just got to not talk two conversations at once which is the hardest thing when you have four or more people. No,
0: it's fine. But I'll just I'll just sit I'll, I'll just sit on the corner and not talk until you want me to. That
1: group can play. Now if you want to get back on some old greasy episodes, if you're a new uh, if you're a new droplet, go check out the Kyle ones, especially if you like conspiracy theories cuz we he brings the juice on those anyway oh, but also you're on the show right now you holler in the chat you've got a few minutes to be on this episode alright back to the exoplanets with
0: uh, Goldilocks zones
1: so as I was saying about the uh, exoplanets we're discovering more and more of them but we're finding some spooky ones too this one by all indications rains liquid metal just molten iron falls from the sky that
0: planet is heavy metal <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's the name of it? Oh, it's, uh, it's Y-O-U-S-M-E-L-L, uh, it's so, always like letters and numbers like so that. So put
0: the word heavy in front of it, <laughs> or metal.
1: It's like the heavy steel industry on Earth where they melt iron. and Oh, see, I, love this this. I love this, I love this, I want
0: this so bad, this picture. Singing in the Iron Rain? That if, is so amazing.
1: Someone made an old-timey movie poster about it. I
0: so want that.
1: There's a guy hanging from an umbrella.
0: I'm going to need you to send me the link to this page.
1: This planet's called Wasp 76B.
0: Oh, if, it's metal for sure.
1: If you, too, want the link to this page, just go to GreasyConversation.com and click on this uh, episode's link, and there's a link to our live talk show notes, and that Google Doc has the links to it. I'm posting
0: that. I've, I've got to have that poster.
1: Oh yeah, let's come back over to the circle guy and see. No. Oh, I thought we might have gotten our airplane no, fight rid the of tab. it. Just get rid of it. You're gone. You're out of here. Okay. What do we got? We're chugging. Oh, speaking of Italy and Australia, I don't know if you caught this, uh, koba. There is a Kaba. It was Kaba. he mentioned in the chat. It's like corn cobbies. Right. In Kaba. fact, I freaking remember this coming up with our buddy, uh, also, and um, shout out to Devin Dust, D E V I N. Devin Dust is the YouTube channel, especially if you like Minecraft, which is uh, blowing up right now. I'm even into Minecraft YouTube and now, and uh, so Devin Dust channel really cool. This is a 338 foot long pizza in Australia
0: that meters it's got to be meters because they don't have the metrics that they don't use what we use it's it's meters
1: this confounded website has already pre-translated it but i love this they made it in chunks and they run it through a convection oven and the convection oven just like cooks it as it goes
0: that's impressive
1: i want to eat at a place that just doesn't like this all the time this is incredible i now
0: wish i had pizza
1: so it's to raise money for the wildfire situation
0: pizza by the way
1: hey we can vegan it up speaking of vegan pizza
0: one of the best
1: yeah they're known for their vegan. but they have a
0: vegan menu now
1: yeah so evil pie uh not just the rattlesnake sausage that i get when i go there so i get to feel like i conquered beasts
0: I'm, i'm assuming jack likes pizza I love
2: pizza, yes.
0: Yeah, evil pie. Pizza's a lovable thing, like tacos.
1: East Fremont. So they're a sponsor. Make sure you holler at them that RadioVegas.rock
0: sent you. Who's the scientist guy here? It's
1: me accidentally playing another ad. Oh my gosh. Okay.
0: <laughs> See, this is why Greg's here.
1: Yeah, he totally does a lot of this. I'm totally doing two hosts worth of stuff Drink right now.
0: like a Mexican kingpin.
1: Yes! Okay. El so,
0: Chapo beer launched by daughter oh that's gangster as heck I've got double news chug here from south of the border double chug
1: so you can drink like a Mexican kingpin El Chapo has a beer in his name launched by his daughter but I'm skeptical that if you order the beer it will ever arrive because another uh, gang kingpin Escobar His brother released the Escobar Fold. And if you've been following along on our previous coverage of this, the Escobar Fold was clearly, obviously, a rebranded Royal FlexPie. The FlexPie was the first brought-to-market folding screen phone. And a piece of junk. It was rushed to market, didn't have the research put into it, as the Samsung one. So, of course, Escobar's got to keep on with that tech, so they released... The Escobar Fold 2, which, of course, is just gold stickers on a Samsung Galaxy Fold. Uh, And so uh, what they're doing right now is YouTubers that do reviews, Unbox Therapy, uh, MKBHD, Marquez, Austin, um, these Linus Tech Tips. Reviewers have had an opportunity to get one of these sent to them, but Escobar is selling it for, like, something like $300 when it's like a $2000 phone, $1600 phone. So, uh but it's only arriving at reviewers. So reviewers are getting it for free or buying it and actually getting their orders. But Marquez, he ordered it under a different name twice. So he knows it's never arriving. It's never arrived under his aliases. So it's a it's a scam. You're getting it internationally from a website that's got no like American or but Interpol The only way to find I mean, out is to try. Yeah, so if you want to throw uh three hundred dollars at, not three
0: hundred. If it's like twenty dollars, maybe. Yeah, but no,
1: you're not gonna. And get not it. in
0: this time, right now, three hundred dollars. We do not have the viewership to actually
1: get sent either Escobar or folding phone. <laughs> Let alone, yeah. So.
0: No, but if you're willing to sponsor, throw some gifts. Yeah, if you totally put that
1: Escobar money our way. Greasy conversation slash merch.
0: Um, and then... Oh, see, I read this. And before you get into it, yes, what Waz is about to talk about Hollow. is Spotify playlist for dogs. Yeah. But here's the thing. I found out about this because I, I I had two cats and I would play the Spotify playlist for cats. Is it really high-pitched? It's I mean, it's soft music for them to like... Relax and you yeah. know just chill out with you. I've heard cats
1: just ignore all sounds that aren't higher pitched, and it seems that way when I yell things in different pitches at my cat experimentally.
0: But I mean, they're they're beings like us, so they
1: I ag- I ignore really.
2: Yes, they wear hats and
1: uh, <laughs> raincoats.
2: They do, they do.
0: Man, cats are so hard to get to wear a hat. They don't like wearing clothes. They're nudists. That's why it's hard to get them to wear clothes. Except one
1: cat that belonged to a friend of mine that would not uh, be content without a bow tie. This cat had a bow tie since a kitten. And if the bow tie was off or fell off or anything, he'd bring it in his mouth to put back on. Be all anxious without it. Little bow tie fella.
0: Yeah, the cats that I had, they did not like wearing clothes at all. Not one (laughs) bit. Like, they put it on, they're just no get this crap off me other some cats are cool but no spotify playlist for dogs this is for dogs left home alone there are playlists that you can listen to with your animals and i'm just not talking about the music that you listen to i'm talking about stuff that they they are cool with like you could put for funny items like who let the dogs out you're listening to the dog they're going to enjoy that because they're healed the dogs right or i don't know there's gotta be a song about cats somewhere.
1: The best part though is that there's dog directed praise and stories and messages of affirmation and reassurance narrated by actors.
0: Oh wow. Right. I wanna know who the actors are.
1: I wanna know I wanna write this dialogue. I want that copywriting gig.
0: I would like to I would <laughs> like to hear like Val Kilmer narrate something to a dog. I wanna write that Or screenplay. Morgan Freeman or Lawrence Fishburne.
1: Oh man. If you're doing dog-directed content and you need an A-class writer to churn out some dog-directed praise and affirmations. Waz is your
0: guy. Messages of reassurance. Yeah, We should start a company for that, Waz. I got that on tap. You and I I could start a a writing company for this. And and we could just call up actors. Hey, can you narrate this Spotify playlist?
1: Good little fella. Good job. I miss you.
0: You're doing such a fantastic (laughs) job right now.
1: (laughs) What a good boy. Here, read the script.
0: <laughs> oh, you look so cute in your little dress. <laughs>
1: now it's getting creepy.
0: Now it's getting creepy.
1: okay. Now, we're at the tail end. This is the, the home stretch. We've done our animal news. We've done our astronomical news. Now is an excellent time if we have any for plugs. Plugged the repair company. Um, is there anything else that you've got going on, Jack, that I could holler at everybody for you?
2: Um... Yeah, I, I do a lot of naps. <laughs>
0: Big fan myself. If you're if you're looking to direct or film napping, Jack's your guy.
2: I, I'm I'm good at that. Um. Penmanship, <laughs> holding a pen. I'm I'm trying to get my uh, cursor legs back together, cursive. Writing and cursive and writing
1: and, uh, together oh, calligraphy on that cursive vote <laughs> r- again
2: I figure that there'll be a need for that uh, <laughs> in the in the near future
0: I think uh, you might be right you might be right
2: it seems that art is going away and uh you're gonna need some uh, some experts around though I don't know how long much longer I'll be around but
1: uh well and, and the idea of art going away I really feel like that we're on the cusp of expressive controllers because uh with music creation in the box and having this whole variety of instruments that you normally couldn't afford, you're you're still stuck having to control these instruments with buttons and two knobs and you don't have the ability to bend quick vibratos like you can on the guitar, bend notes independently. And I feel like uh, for example, with some products I'm working on with uh, distance sensing and position sensing in space, you can look up at W-O-Z LOL. and now there is uh, a renewed interest in modular synthesis and people buying modules, and I've seen right. modules that use pressure, push sensitive pads like you would normally find under some drum pads that are basically all aftertouch, how hard you push in real time to trigger different things, and I've worked some of these sensors into some new designs of mine we're going to have a renaissance of both mine and other manufacturers' sidecar devices to be able to express like you could. Like, I can't blow a brass thing, but to have the dynamics of breath still have, like, human muscles cause them. That's something that we can do with pressure-sensitive devices and with position-sensing things. So I, I see, like, a rebirth on that. And also, shameless plug. So <laughs> then John...
0: I got the novel coming yeah, in soon um, on Amazon. So my novel, Life is a Record, is due out this year. I'm, I'm thinking fall. Wait, was, say that slower. Life is a record.
1: Yeah.
2: I thought you said life as a wicker.
0: I, uh, I heard record. My bad. <laughs> uh, the novel is called life, driver? life is a Record. Um, <laughs> it's about music, love, and finding your destination. Uh, uh, the character... Uh, mirrors my entire life. I, a lot of people had asked me to write a book and I, I didn't really want to write anything about myself. I never, in 30, I'm 38, I'm about to be 39. I thought, I haven't done anything in 30 years. This was approached a while back. And I hadn't done anything in 30 years to warrant a book. So I always told them no. And then of course I'd get the, the usual response of getting reamed by my friends and saying, you've done a lot, so why not? And about a decade ago, I started writing a screenplay with a couple people, and we abandoned it. So then, when this came up about, about a year or so ago again, I decided to take the bones of that screenplay and make it into a workable story. And I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take that ending that I wanted, we're going to take the, the bones of the character, and we're going to put it in this book. Now, I'm going to add the stories that I think are worthy of, of being in the book and worthy of telling to an audience and st- stuff, that I've told to people out loud or stuff that people were there and involved with. And it involves a fictional romance, but I took the fictional romance parts and amalgamated the, about the women that I have either loved or uh, have wanted to be with and just hadn't had the opportunity to. So the guy works as a freelance music journalist, like I used to uh, works at a record store. I worked at a video worked at a video store. So kind of mirroring that same thing. Goes out on town, goes to concerts, meets this girl who comes into the record store. Uh, they hit it off. They start recognizing each other around town, seeing each other at shows or seeing each other at a bar doing karaoke, yada, yada. They hit it off really well. They start dating. Things happen. Good things happen. Bad things happen. And then that's where everything else moves. And I've been working on it for a while. I finished it in the three months that I was in
1: Australia. Tidying up editing.
0: Yeah, uh but while while now it is finished and I finished it from front to back, I went back recently and said, we can add a little bit more cuz it's at 40,000 words now, but I think I need to get it anywhere between 60 000 to 80,000, so about another forty thousand, twenty thousand at best, t- just to really drive home things. Um and then of course I'm also working on putting out the Tarantino Compendium that I wrote a while back uh what the compendium is is the side piece to all the lore, all the Tarantino movies, oh, where that's, that's amazing, connecting characters and storylines together that you wouldn't normally see. So, like, you go watch Reservoir Dogs, and Michael Madsen's character, Mr. Blonde, his name is Vic Vega. He's the brother of Vincent Vega, played by John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Or where Vic Huhneberger makes his first appearance, not in Pulp Fiction, but in Reservoir Dogs, where we see Mr. Blonde. Drinking out of a cup before he goes and takes the ear off Officer Nash. Who Officer Nash, Nash, excuse me, is related to Gerald Nash, the same cop who was killed by Mickey and Mallory in Natural Born Killers. But who's also related to uh, the other Gerald Nash in Django and Unchained that is referenced years later. So it's those little things that I catch that I combine in these stories.
2: That is really interesting. I may, I'll have to send would, it to you. I would. I'm a big Tarantino fan. Same.
0: Oh. Uh, I saw what the latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when it came out. Yeah. I saw it twice in one day in the theater, and that's a three-hour epic, right? So I sat in the theater for six hours. But the first viewing was for me to watch the movie and to catch anything that I would normally connect anyway. And then the second viewing was the rest of the scavenger hunt, saying, "Okay, I already caught this. I know the movie now. I'm taking so notes. What am I looking for?" That I didn't see. And it's at in the credit scenes and in the extras as well on the digital and DVD release where you find out how long uh, Red Apple Cigarettes has been around. The only movie that Red Apple Cigarettes was never mentioned in was Reservoir Dogs because somebody asked Mr. Pink for a Chesterfield. But other than that, Pulp Fiction, everything else has it mentioned. Even in From Dusk Till Dawn, a movie that Tarantino Ropa didn't direct, he's in, there's when George Clooney comes back with food, and Quentin Tarantino had murdered the 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 uh, the uh, the hostage, he comes back with Bick Kahuna burger, right? Michael Parks, who plays the sheriff in From Dust Till Dawn, also plays the sheriff in Kill Bills One and Two, plays the sheriff in, in in Planet Terror. It's all those things that they threw in specifically that no one's like, okay, I'm watching the movie. I love this movie, right? But the little nuances is what I'm about. The off the off the cuff things that connects the whole universe.
1: But recently, your compendium became no longer
0: online. Online, is that correct. But if you want it, I can send it to you to look at. But it will it will be released as a full book. Because and then, outside
1: of that book, there's no more complexly put together compendium out uh, there, isn't
0: But there are, there are things that people, yeah, there are things online where you can go and say, hey, what's this in Tarantino's thing? But I want to be able to put it out as a book for you uh, to say, hey, let's go back at this. Walks you, can you through actually, it in the fun order. Right. And nice. you can actually see it, right? Um, there was something I was going to say about that. Now I don't remember.
1: It's okay. I had to derail you because we've got to let the it's next fine. show start. It's fine. And so stay tuned for Brendan and Kevin. Or if they're calling me about some emergency because I do the tech here, then something else crazy will happen. But either way, stay listening to RadioVegas.rocks and ride the wave of the mayhem touch the evening everybody